Hello, Hospitality MD listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in for our final episode of 2019. Uh, 2019 for us has been a year of growth, restarting, and forgetting excuses. We've interviewed a lot of great people this year, and we're excited to share with you our favorite clips and recap 2019. Enjoy the show. Well, uh, welcome back to another episode of Hospitality MD. Greg and I are very excited to present to you our favorite clips from the past eight interviews that we had the opportunity to conduct in 2019. We, for those of you who don't know, we restarted Hospitality MD after a long hiatus, um, you know, in mid to late September after my College of DuPage keynote speech. And we were able to get some great interviews done and I think speaking on behalf of both of us, we were so happy with the people that we had the opportunity to interview, and I learned a lot as did Greg. We wanted to take today to reflect on some of the learning moments that we had and uh, highlight some points for you guys, so let's dive right in. Yeah, we start off with uh, Katerina Wolf. Um, Honestly, she was... I really enjoyed this interview and I'm really happy that um, she accepted because back then we weren't really interviewing anybody because we were still off the air and uh, she just took a chance with some two strange guys. <laughs> like, hey, you want to be on our podcast? So uh, I was very thankful that she came on and it was a great first uh, interview for us back. Um, so I guess we can start off with, with your clip here. Oh, we'll play it. Sounds good. You know, looking at luxury hospitality specifically, and saying, you know, is there a need for this in some regard? You know, when you have people who, you have children who are super gluing bottle caps onto water bottles in India and selling them because they have no other form of income, it does really force you to think, is this a necessary thing? Is this, is this actually, you know, responsible to be perpetuating in some ways? Um, and while, you know, it does seem a little bit at odds, I would say that, yes, it does. Every single person is worth something, you know, inherently. Not because of what they built, not because of where they come from. Who, who they are is why they matter. So, like, that is some, like, straight facts from Katarina right there. Like, and I feel like not everybody gets this and not everybody thinks about it in that perspective, but basically in context, she was mentioning that she had worked at a home for the dying in India and, you know, coming back home with that perspective. And, and at the time she was working at the Waldorf Astoria, Beverly Hills. So having that kind of dichotomy between kids, super gluing bottle caps and selling them versus people checking into a five-star hotel little bit of an ethics concern comes up and I just like how she recognizes that it ultimately it's not whether it's five star or one star or anything like that it's just people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect and if somebody wants to you know spend their money to 
feel like they, you know, uh, feel true, powerful hospitality, you know, at the highest level, then, you know, obviously that's okay. And, and as long as the homeless guy on the corner also feels like he's getting some sort of dignity and respect as well. So I just really loved her sentiment there. Uh, and it was probably one of the, one of the more, woke moments of that interview really really awesome job yeah let me uh i actually my favorite part comes immediately after that in the beginning of what you just went over so i'm gonna go ahead and and play my part as well and it kind of builds on a little bit of what you were just talking about every single person is worth something you know inherently not because of what they built not because of where they come from who who they are is why they matter you know And when you're working in a situation, obviously I was working in a home for the dying. These are people who are on the streets. They are completely abandoned and their dignity has been, you know, made to shame. And that's a terrible thing to watch, you know, and to sit on the sidelines of that and watch people check into a five-star hotel can feel very difficult at times. But the fact of the matter is, and if you look at, you know, if you look at any of the words of Mother Teresa, who I feel very connected to, um, partially due to, of course, that experience um, in Calcutta, it's about doing small things with great love and that you may be a drop in the ocean, but the ocean would be less because of that drop missing. So when I look at hospitality as a means of affirming people that they their existence matters, it still holds true. It's the same sort of work. Is it, you know, scrubbing out, um, you know, laundry from, you know, a room full of beds where people, you know, are, are waiting to die? No, it's not. It's much easier than that, you know. Sure. But a lot of people in a lot of times are they're traveling for reasons that are unbeknownst to you. And who they are, what they've built could be two separate things completely. You know, um, we're, we're fortunate to have a really extensive, you know, guest list of, you know, a veritable who's who of the world. But their worth is not determined by who the world has made them. It's by who they are just being them. So yeah, say so anybody that quotes Mother Teresa in their interview with us is really hitting it out of the park. Um, but it really just changes your perspective on things. You know, there's there's people matter no matter where they come from. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that we get lost in. I mean, even this time of year in our city, like all oh, these are our low rates. These are our low rate guests. You know, we expect them to be, act a little differently, and it's like. You know, they're, they're still our guests. They're still people. They still matter. You can still treat them with dignity and respect. Um, yeah, that's it's just it really just helps change your perspective on, on helping people. I agree. And I think like with your your sentiment about, you know, low rate guests and like I feel like every hotel person in the world can relate to like that slow season, low rates, people get more complacent. You almost feel like uh, I've experienced people feeling like almost like anger and resentment. Like why would anybody, you know, uh, like why are these people even here? Like we're used to these sort of clientele. It's like, 
we are your product is not worth what somebody's willing to pay for it right and these people are making sure that you have hours and you're employed during the holiday season so and so aside from that part of it but also the people who are staying like if you assume that they're going to be at like the lowest common denominator and kind of acting poorly in your hotel or causing you any sort of distress, then, you know, you're, those people are only going to rise to that low bar that you've set for them. But if you treat them like any other guests in the hotel and treat them like a, a VIP luxury guest, most of the time, I think they'll rise up to that. And it just goes to show, just treat everybody with respect and it goes a long way. It goes to show that you get to pick your mindset and how you go into your day and how you go into treating each guest, which actually probably works out really well going into our next interview um, with Christine Trippy. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start off with with mine. My favorite clip was her with her is what I call the power of gets. So I'll play that for you right now. Jump in on that. Um, yeah. That uh, I, I I did not I, I I sort of touched on the book just a smidge on this. But um, something I, I talk about in my trainings and whatnot, um, something I just said to you that I get to do this, I say that all the time. And it's funny because some people always say, you know, I notice you always phrase things like that. And I, I always love to share this philosophy. And I like to call it the power of get. I, there's two. There's the power of get and there's the power of yet. Uh, but the power of get is when you change when you change the words you say, your life changes. So, so a lot of people will say, you know, oh, it's Monday, I have to go to work today, you know, and that just brings you mm-hmm. in that place. Yeah, you have to go to work today. But if you change your verbiage to I get to go to work today and change the world one yes at a time or serve my associates and create a work environment that they love to come to every day, when you to flip the switch on the way you think about things and the way you talk about things, your life changes. And I've always said, I'm so lucky that I get to do this every day. And I really mean that. I can't tell you how many mornings I get up my Monday, which is usually on Tuesday. And I, I tell myself that because there's days I don't want to get up. I just want to stay in bed (laughs) and just sleep, you know, just extend my weekend one more day. But yeah, you just wake up like I get to go to work today. There's people that don't get to go to work. There's people that you know, don't get to go to a job that they enjoy doing and to go and they don't get to work with people they enjoy working with. So I, uh, I, I think it's so true. This, you, you, the words you use can change your mindset and it changes the outcome of your day and it just makes it that much more positive. If you want to be negative, Nancy, you know, you'll have a terrible day every single day. Gotta, you, you get to go to work. You get to do this. You get to do that. You get to pay your bills as much as it sucks. But, you know, you get to do these things. Not everybody can. Yeah, I love, like, uh, like th- hearing that clip back again, like, brings me right back into the energy of that interview uh, and Christine's energy, which is just, like, infectious and awesome. Uh, and, like, the I mean, I, this goes for all the people that we've interviewed, but especially that one. I've also deployed that uh, change in internal dialogue in myself on a daily basis because, like, I've literally loved hotels since I was a child for an inexplicable reason. So every day I get to go 
and be at a place that I wanted to always be at when I was a kid. And I get to actually make a difference in that very sacred and special place. Uh, it means a lot to me. So I, even it can be tough at times. It's, it's nice uh, to kind of have that self-awareness and perspective change to be able to, um, to say, yeah, I get to go and, and be in the place that I've always loved to be for as long as I can remember. Right. Uh, you want to talk about your clip? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and play it. All right. I never go into it with this wall up. I go into it wanting to really understand their point of view and make it right. Because I know we're wrong a lot. And, and I want to make it right. And so I don't go into a conversation to respond to it. I go into that conversation to understand how they feel and put myself in their shoes and see what I can do to make it right. And I have a very high turnaround rate. <laughs> but I, and I, and I'm, not, I'm never afraid of that because I'm, oh, I'm never going to go into it in an argumentative state. I'm always going to go into it with how can I understand this this perspective and what can I do to make it right? And if we have to agree to disagree or whatnot, um, you know, that might, but we always leave friends. We always leave friends. Christine trippy with some fire. <laughs> like this is something that I heavily encourage everybody to subscribe to because that will literally change your hospitality trajectory not only in life but also in your career as well um i think this is something that i'm probably more naturally good at than other people personally um but it's still something that has to be practiced and applied on a daily basis and an intentional thoughtful action um but i've seen those results in my own career and my own uh guest interactions on a daily basis when if the guest issue finally gets to me, by the time I'm done with the guest, I will not let them not be satisfied because I'm just going to empathize with them. And you lead with the energy you bring to the table. And I think a lot of what Christine was saying was directly related to your you know, distinct energy when dealing with a conflict and dealing with you know something that may be stressful. People automatically go to anxiety they go to defensiveness they go to uh self-righteousness whenever somebody is coming to them with a, a something negative or a complaint or or directing something at them but just be open be honest respect the guest's point of view and try to empathize with them and you'll be happier for it and so will the guest and so will your feather, fellow people just do that everywhere and you'll be happy. Yeah, I think too many people go into it thinking they have, you know, it's about being right or wrong and it's not about being right or wrong. Your guest has a complaint. Just they just want to be heard, they just want to be happy. And we want the same thing for them or at least you should want the same thing for them if you're in this industry. But I think that advice goes that that's one of the first big pieces of advice that that kind of transcends all businesses. Like if every business took Christine's advice in that clip or even in the book, like the world would change people would be happy to interact with companies and then you know, they can make more money like they want to yeah like uh my grandma was just telling me a story last night um about how she ordered some wine for like different members of my family who live around the country for the holidays and she ordered from a small company and 
they told her that the wine was going to be delivered prior to Christmas and Christmas is come and gone and they still haven't gotten the wine yet. Oh, wow. um, and so she called the company after finding out that nobody had received it. And they basically gave her a whole bunch of excuses about how they're a small company and they don't have like the distribution as say somebody like Amazon or, you know, uh, they didn't guarantee that it was going to be there before Christmas. They just said it's a possibility that it could be. So then they started talking semantics with her and getting into specifics, being defensive, totally not the right way to go about it. Uh, and now I guarantee you, they will never ever order wine from that business ever again. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. Because you hear stories like Gary V's wine business, where he would he probably would have drove the wine out himself across the country, you know, to to make it happen. <laughs> and that was my exact thought about it, especially like kind of going with the whole wine thing and everything. I was like, there's no excuse, especially like when if he had taken the time to learn, like because that's something that I do, uh, you know, especially you know, with Christine's philosophy of making friends first before he even got defensive, he would have known that this was for her daughter that lives in Arizona and for this person who lives here. And that that's not only is that, you know, obviously he wants to support, uh, you know, my grandma and sending her daughter something, but that also means like repeat business. Hello. Like she's not leaving Arizona anytime soon and she's not going to stop liking wine anytime soon. If they enjoyed their bottle and had a good delivery experience, that would have been instant repeat business, basically guaranteed. And that resolution would have hinged on any possibility of repeat business as well. So, you know, again, hospitality is everybody's business. And it's obvious right now that most businesses are not using it. So if anybody is out there is in a business that's not hotels or, again, is hotels, because a lot of hotels don't even uh, implore hospitality go check out Christine's interview and uh, get the contacts for that great clip. Awesome. Um, our next interview was uh, a young man by the name of Satchel Smith. Um, for those that don't remember, Mr. Satchel Smith was at the Homewood Suites in Beaumont, Texas, I believe it was. Beaumont, yep. Yeah, Where my mom was born. He was. Your mom was born there. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh. Yeah. My, uh, again, my grandma, Beaumont, my mom, you know, it all ties together here. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, well, he was stuck working for about 32 hours, I believe, after uh, after the roads around the hotel flooded. Nobody can get in or out. Uh, he was the only staff working. Um, I will start off with my clip. My clip was actually you telling his story completely uh, from the eyes of the Facebook um, poster that kind of made him famous and how we discovered him. So let me go ahead and play that. Uh, on September 19th posted, uh, a nice photo of you, man. I don't know how you look that good, uh, with a smile on your face after, I mean, this was, <laughs> this is probably like our maybe 20, 23, 24, something like that for you. Around yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. You still got a smile on your face, which is good. So this is, uh, as of then, has uh, received almost 7,000 comments and uh, 59,000 reactions on Facebook. So she says, meet Satchel. He is the only employee here at the Homewood Suites in Beaumont. The access road is underwater and the Interstate 10 is shut down due to flooding. We can't get in or go out. The hotel is a mile from us is underwater. 
Is that true? Was there another hotel that was actually like completely mm-hmm. flooded? Actually, it was the hotel in the same parking lot as us. They're just right next to it. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I guess lucky to a certain extent from where you're sitting, but um, Satchel has been here all night. His coworkers couldn't make it to work, so he stayed. He has manned the phones, answered each of our questions, ensured that we have had a hot cup of tea or coffee, and helped serve us a hot breakfast. He has handled this situation with grace, kindness, and a beautiful smile on his face. Sometimes we ask ourselves why God allows things to happen, but we are not designed to understand his ways. I do think that sometimes he allows things to happen so we can be his light and share the love of Christ with others. I have seen a big teddy bear of a man washing dishes and serving eggs, a little grandmother wiping down tables, and a man drenched from head to toe because he crossed the interstate to deliver bottles of water to truck drivers who have been stranded. We saw a helicopter land at the hotel adjacent to us where the parking lot is underwater. Someone had to be flown out. I'm looking at my table and see a leftover bagel from breakfast, my hot cup of tea, my cozy socks, and dry tennis shoes. I am thankful for each of these things and for the peace in knowing that my family is safe and sound. Please pray for us and that we can each make it home safely to our families. If you know Satchel, tell him he is our hero. He gave us permission to share this picture. What a great example of how to handle yourself in a crisis. Goodness gracious, I will stay here next time knowing that despite whatever happens, I will have someone putting our needs above his own needs. Thank you, Satchel, for taking care of us here at Homewood in Beaumont. So that post for Satchel on Facebook that uh, Miss Angela Chandler posted is at 58,000 reactions, um, 6.9 thousand comments, and 14,000 shares. Uh, Satchel has also been recognized by Time Magazine as a hero that went above and beyond in 2019. Yeah, I was just about to pull that up because I got the article right here. Yeah, yeah, he's on there with the defenders of Notre Dame and... um, the boy who helped change the law and school lunch that like he was a big was kind of a big deal uh, so it was a really great story that we were excited to uh to be able to share with everybody and just you know the, the kind of dedication that that it takes to to really be successful in this industry i think satchel's going to do very well um i think he did what most of us would probably do in the same situation but I mean, it doesn't take anything away from what he did i mean that's that's a long day to to be there, to be awake, to be, you know, dealing with people, which is not always easy. So I, I always, I like giving my props to Satchel. He, he kicked some ass that day. And like, to be honest with you, like I've shared Satchel's story with, with, uh, people that I know as well. And people within the hotel industry who have responded by saying, Oh, I've done that before. Yo, 32, I worked 48 hours one time. And, and that's just, not cool to like downplay somebody's accomplishment like that. I think like regardless of if you would have done the same or if you wouldn't have done the same, he's still a hero no matter what. And the accomplishments that he had there uh, are not to be overlooked. Uh, He's, I mean, they were in an emergency situation. Tropical depression, Imelda, like, come on. This is a unique experience, and he rose to the occasion. And that's from somebody whose career aspirations, at least currently, don't even include hotel management. So this is from somebody who has no vetted interest, like, I guess, 
as far as like from a selfish standpoint in the hotel that that's why this is better than you know uh or more significant than even you or me doing it because it's like we're kind of just forced to he's an hourly entry-level part-time associate who doesn't want at least right now a career in hotel management and he did that because he cares about the people who were staying there not because he thought i'm gonna get recognition for this or i'm gonna be recognized by time or my management company is really gonna love this or my director is gonna love this whatever the case might be he had none of those factors associated with with his act of courage, which I think a lot of the people like talking shit or whatever have those things because they have some sort of something to prove or whatever. So I love what he did. It was completely unselfish. And, uh, you know, kind of with that in mind, you wonder how did somebody like Satchel, you know, develop that? We'll go ahead and play my clip and we'll see why. You got it. What do you think? To me, hospitality is, basically being kind to others and treating others how you would like to be treated. Amen. A few words. Uh, and honestly, like that's, that's really like as simple or as complicated. It's the golden rule, man. To be. Treat others the way you would expect and want to be treated. And I think that's, you know, it's especially for somebody like Satchel, in that situation, if he was stranded away from his family, especially, you know, during the interview we mentioned, obviously Homewood Suites is an extended stay hotel. And like those people become very close to him, to the staff. They become reliant on the Homewood Suites as their residence. So it wouldn't have been fair to anybody staying there had he just gotten up and left. People still needed to eat. They still needed to, you know, feel like there was somebody pillar of stability there for them uh and he did just that so satchel thank you so much for interviewing with us we're we're so honored to be able to chat with you look forward to seeing what good things you do yeah all right next interview uh number four was uh well if if you're on linkedin and you're if you're in hospitality uh you know this man because he probably followed you um, connected with you and shares everything. Charles Dozier uh, from from uh, Hilton. Uh, he was a. I thought he was a. He was a great interview and just had a lot of knowledge right off the bat. Um, what's funny here is our clips are actually the same. Um, so we picked uh, almost the exact same clip. We did not plan this. I swear, <laughs> we did not plan this. We did not. Um, my, I just picked more of the of the clip uh, and kyle's kind of snuggled right in between so what i'll do is i'll go ahead and play the uh the full clip from charles it's about two minutes well i look at it as luck because i was very lucky to work with some great people um and i've been lucky to understand how to get the best out of those people um and that's what i teach now uh, with mdps coming out of college they're learning a lot about the processes but they're not learning as much about the people um so i'm trying to connect them kind of my time machine of going back to what I would have done better, you know, 10 years ago of kind of teaching them the rights and wrongs. And and pretty much it's about learning about the culture. Um, As we branch them off into all these different communities, they're going to go into these hotels where um, this is people's home. This is their life. You know, where we put these Hilton brands is is a community center and we have to respect that 
as much. And when you respect people and where they come from and you understand them and you tap into what actually makes them great, it actually makes you great instead of you trying to go in and get them to buy into what you believe is best for their hotel. Because in our industry, uh, manager life, shelf life is about two years before they move on to either bigger or better things or before they move on to something else. Um, the people that's in that hotel normally stays for 20, 30 years. 70% of them. Um, so we're trying to teach them now to respect that. When you go into their home, try to learn from them, try to understand what they're going through. Understand that they've been through five different managers in the last 10 years. So it's different processes that they went through. So don't go in looking and saying that they have bad attitudes or they're disengaged or you know they're not coachable. You got to kind of tap into understand what they've actually been through in their journey of why they're that way, because people have come in and they've given them promises, but then they go on to their bigger and better jobs and then they're still left with now the next person that's going to come in and change all the processes that they just got used to. I love that clip because Charles talks about you going into people's homes, the employees that have worked there for 30 years. You are going into their home. This is where they've been for forever. And you want to go in there and just immediately start changing things. I, I forget where I, I heard it or read it one time, but uh, I think it was in an article about finding a new job. And you know, when somebody asks you what you want to do within your first 90 days, is and most people tell you they want to hit the ground running. The better thing to do is to say you want to hit the ground listening. And listening to your team and just... <laughs> did, did you hear like angels... <laughs> thank you there you um, go there I, you go i, I love that i, I take, love that i can't take credit <laughs> for it but i i really really i really liked it and i feel like going forward if i was to ever leave where i'm at now like that's that's going to be my mantra is just you want to you want to listen to your team and find out where they need help because you might want to go in and start changing something that works perfectly fine and and, and guests love who knows more about your guests than the people that are helping them every single day on that front line. Um, so I, I'm glad Charles is doing that with their management development program people and not just teaching them how to how to do the processes and run reports and, and learn how to run a labor management report, but to work with your team that's been there for a long time. Because that's what he does on a daily basis, going into these hotels and prepping them for their big events as a brand ambassador. Um without really trying to step on their toes. So I, I feel like he's really become a master of that. I'm glad he's sharing that with everybody. Absolutely. That's a master of emotional intelligence right there. Um, and and I, I believe, you know, he mentioned like some of the common things that, that some of the younger managers and MDPs will come and say they're uncoachable, they're disengaged, they're not motivated. Yeah, I'm sorry, Becky, but they're not fresh out of college with a hospitality degree with like a Hilton internship and management development thing. Like they, you can't expect somebody who works for you or with you to share your same selfish ambitions and, and expect them to put the same like effort and, and attention at helping you achieve your own selfish goals and moving up. You just can't. I don't get it. I don't get it. How do <laughs> it's hilarious to me because like people and managers, like they just see it so backwards. Like, because I'm the manager, you know, this, 
I get to tell them what to do. They're just going to have to listen to what I have to say. Like, I don't care. They've been here for so long. They don't care anymore. They're checked out. They're disengaged. You know, that may or may not be true. It's depending on who the person is. But one thing they, most people, regardless of the amount of time you've been somewhere, doesn't appreciate when somebody uses them as a pawn to achieve their own ambitions in a selfish way. And that's kind of like how it translated to me uh, for the most part. And, and uh, Charles interview specifically for those of you who haven't heard the entire thing, I think focuses a lot on the kind of management and uh, of people. And because that's something that he's become very good at in his time in banquets and food and beverage. And now at his time, you know, uh, with basically, having a responsibility of leading the entire company and the entire organization of Hilton to a certain extent. Uh, so definitely check out his interview for more insights on that. Uh, and thank you so much, Charles, for interviewing with us. That was a great time. All right. So next uh, is another big uh, LinkedIn um, superstar, I guess you can say. This man has more connections than I can ever imagine in my life, um, especially in, not even just hotel. I think he's really expanding out outside of the uh, industry a bit, but Mr. Rupesh uh, Patel. Um, we had the honor of having him on. He's been a, he's done a lot on LinkedIn Live lately. Uh, he interviewed Chris Nacetta, which, you know, hopefully maybe someday we'll, we'll have you sit down with him and, and chat as well. Um, but I'll go ahead and, and get into my clip uh, real quick because I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So- yeah, we had to make some changes. Like you walk into a hotel and you just see that though. Um, the manager doesn't care, right? You you've been there. You you've caught you've been there, right? You've been to hotels. You're like, oh, this manager doesn't care, or this front. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. So you know, it, it's one of those stories. Like we had to replace some people. Like sometimes we have to go in and be like the bad guy at a property. And I'm happy to kind of advise hotels to do the same thing. Like you're losing money because you have this one person or this team of people that maybe you shouldn't be there. Maybe they should take another position in the hotel or maybe they should go find another career because they're not happy with, and they care enough. Right. Um, let me record this because I actually gonna, I'm going to post about this. Uh, but yeah. you know, not everybody should be a hotel manager. And I say that, right. The, the people that are working the front desk are like, Oh yeah, I want to be a hotel manager one day. Right. Uh, but not everybody's fit to be a hotel manager. So don't become a hotel manager just to say you're a hotel manager, right? And I'm actually writing an article uh, about it here re- soon. And it's, uh, I think I wrote it down. It's uh, five reasons why you should not become a hotel <laughs> manager, right? Um, and the first thing is like, you don't care enough, right? There's people that are, care just to a por- certain point, And then after that, they're like, oh, I don't care. And you know, you, we know those people. Kyle, do you know somebody like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only like people can see right through that sort of stuff. Like it's very obvious to a a team. It's very obvious to a guest if somebody doesn't care. And, um, you know, those who do care will outshine and overpower those individuals any day of the week, any day of the week. Right. So that's just one thing. Like the second thing be like, don't if you're not willing to work weekends if you're not willing to like go that extra mile go above and beyond like all those things that actually matter when you're a hotel general manager like are you willing to cover a shift are you willing to work triples right are you willing to like just hustle 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 because gms if you're a good gm you hustle right you build a team but then when you have to when they're when it's the tough times you got to get in there and actually work right 
Um, and that's the one of the those are the two things that out of the five, and there's a dozen dozens of things why you should not be a general manager, right? Um, and you know, I think it's powerful when you can understand, like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm not fit to be a general manager, and and that, and not everybody is, right? I think self awareness is probably one of the biggest keys to hospitality. It's just knowing that this is the right job for you. Not everybody can handle it. Not everybody can handle dealing with the public every day in the way that you and I do it. Actually, my father and I actually just had this conversation today um, where he talked about where he likes to spend time by himself at lunch. You know, And he told his supervisor that recently, and he was kind of taken aback, like, well, what do you mean? Because you know, my dad goes to lunch, and all the housekeepers are there and, and everything. And I told him that's exactly how I, I feel every day. It's like, you know, sometimes you just need your me time because not everybody can handle it or they handle it their own way. Because uh, we we deal with our, our employees every day, with our guests, with our man, with our managers, um, and sometimes it just takes a lot out of you. Not everybody knows how to handle that property, so I think being self aware and knowing like this this just is not the job for me, and finding something else is super important. And there's nothing wrong with taking what you learn here and applying it to whatever job you go to, but just being aware that you're not you're not fit to deal with the public. Maybe you should. You know, find something that is a little less hands-on with 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 dealing with people on there and impacting their stays and, and things like that. Yeah, and um, I think with that in mind, like that's what happens when you focus on the processes and not the people. So, and I think there seems to be kind of a new wave coming. Uh, but we're still not out of that mud yet. So I think sometimes management companies, brands, they breed their own worst enemies within their hotels and within their organizations by focusing so much on, okay, you're a housekeeping leader in development training and we are only going to show you how to open and close and we're going to show you how to inspect a room but we're not going to give you any insight whatsoever on how to deal with a union room attendant who's been there for 35 years. And all she wants to feed her family and clock in and and everything like that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that person, but it's, or, you know, you're not going to show somebody, this is how you deescalate a guest issue professionally and, and genuinely and, and be authentic with yourself. Granted, it's hard to teach those things and the processes are way easier to teach and it's more standardized. But sometimes I do feel like hotels, management companies, and brands will breathe their own worst enemies in that sense. I agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and play my clip? We'll see what's <laughs> All right. And during that time, uh, or prior to that, I would hear people saying, you know, if you have great customer service, you'll kind of win the game as far as hospitality because a lot of people are looking for that extra touch point. They're looking and feel good when you're walking to a hotel, right? Or when you stay at a hotel. And I was like, you know what? I never believed in that. I just believed in how much money do we make? And that was it, right? And so I, I had to really change my focus on instead of just thinking of how much money we made, but how many people are actually happy, right? Okay, that is probably one of my favorite clips of 2019 hospitality md period it's a small one it's a low-key one it's not like this big you know 
you know, long-winded speech, but it demonstrates a few things. One of which is that hospitality trumps everything. Service wins, and that being genuine and real will get you further than uh, than anything else. Number two, it shows that you can change. Rupesh Patel, which is now a staple of service and a staple of leadership in hotels and hospitality, was once a, uh, I mean, you know, not <laughs> not saying anything negative here, but he was once a person who believed in profits over people. And that was it because he was an owner. He didn't know any better, but he learned and he changed. And now he's showing others the power of hospitality as well. And I think that's something huge for us here at Hospitality MD, especially going into 2020 is the the old school ways of, of doing things just aren't working anymore. It's time for a change. And it's nice to see that Rupesh was able to change. It's a great story for everybody out there listening who maybe has gone off the course of, you know, their values over the course, course of their careers uh, or in the course of their lives. Um, and I absolutely love that quote. Thank you, Rupesh, for being so open and vulnerable about that. It was great having you on the show. Yeah, definitely a high energy interview that I really, uh, really enjoyed. Uh, so this next one, um, he hails from Tucson, Arizona, Mr. Ahmed Ochoa. Um, he was a, a special interview for us because he was actually our very first fan of Hospitality MD. Our very first video, I think what within a day or two, he posted a comment um, saying how much he enjoyed it and was looking forward to the, the Juan Leva interview, I believe it was. Um, Go back and check out our first video, by the way. Uh, quick plug on that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, I will go ahead and play uh, a nice... You guys actually had a lot of great moments in this in this uh, video, so it's kind of hard for me to pick one, um, but I went ahead and did it anyway, so here it is. It's like a treasure map. Like, if we can just get back to the hotel yeah. and and you can almost see like the relief on people when you finally like walk through the door before the doors have even closed behind you, they're already relieved. Like they've escaped. And, um, and you know, like just being able to actually see that physical reaction on a guest's face on a daily basis, it, it really is a reminder of like, you know, we're, we're, we take people and we transform them. It's magic. No matter what we do, like a guest leaves the hotel they come back and their room is just magically cleaned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, and that is why, like, because sometimes, like, I have to try and get my team to empathize a little bit because there are times when stayover service gets missed, mm-hmm. or you know, or they get back after being out all day and it's three o'clock p.m. and they get back and their room still hasn't been serviced. Yeah. And what I what I try and get them to think about is that exact sentiment is that stayover service is magic and when the magic doesn't happen you literally are let down because you're expecting to walk in and it's almost like you're you know it's like my room when i left was disheveled the bed was unmade it looked like all the anxiety that i was feeling from traveling was manifested itself into this room yeah Yeah. and then when i leave it's their job to physically clean away all the anxiety and all the the nerves and everything that i've had and just take it away and just get it out of sight. And and so when I come back, it's fresh and clean again and I can start new and I can be reborn again for another night at the hotel. And 
And it's not just, it's never as simple as meets the eye when it comes to those sort of things. And, you know, um, it, it takes a certain type of person to really be able to empathize with, with that sort of thing. And, um, but, but I do think that's something that can be trained and you work on that and you really give somebody that perspective change, you know, it, it's, it's something that, that can certainly help. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's no, there's no greater feeling than coming into your room and having those towels that you left on the floor, you know, seeing towels like hanging like fresh, you know, and then having your new soap and your new shampoo, you know, waiting for you in your, in your, in your hotel room. And like you said, you know, having the bed made, everything's just like magically just got clean. And, and that perhaps, you know, goes back to, you know, the no- nostalgia that we're talking about, you know, with, with, you know, going back to those memories that I have of staying in a hotel room, like as a kid, you know, at least when you're four or five years old, you know, you don't really have an idea that, you know, okay, there's a lady or, you know, whatever that's coming in to clean the room. Like, you don't know, though, you know, what goes behind the scenes. As an adult, yeah. So I should have prefaced it with, it's actually more <laughs> of a Kyle clip. Um, but obviously your conversation with him had a lot to do with you going on that, and that tangent, not tangent, but you having that conversation. Uh, it, 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 it is a truly magical moments guests here especially if, if you're in a hotel in this time of year and you have families and the kids coming in like they're just there's a lot of kid talk in this in this episode that, that i kind of wish i could have touched on out honestly would have been able to play the entire episode they really talk about a hot clip like it's just a it's a great episode but i, I really think the magical moments is something that we forget about you know guests come back from being out all day and their room is magically clean like that's that's that is truly magical to them like or maybe not so much as an adult, but for them, it's kind of what they expect. And and when it's not done, we do forget that it is a big deal that you come back and it's kind of what you expect to be when you come back, unless you, you know, you're like me and you put a do not disturb on for your entire day. <laughs> but you know, you just you, it's it's easy to forget those little things. I think if you remember that when you're you know dealing with the, the complaint, it makes it that much easier to make friends with them first and then help them turn that around and become their friend and they're happy at the end of the day yeah so like i guess i kind of snapped a little bit in that clip um i i don't know what triggered me but like it's i guess overall i think our job is to be anxiety reducers because like every single person i literally don't care you cannot change my mind on this has hella anxiety when they travel and they and they come to the hotel. Every single person, even the kids, because they're in a place they're completely unfamiliar with. Like I remember when I stayed at the Palmer house with my mom, like back when I was like a young child, I was anxious as fuck <laughs> because I was from the suburbs and not only was I in Chicago and it was like a sensory overload, number one, during the holidays as well. It was actually during Christmas and we were going to see the Macy's on State Street, the, the windows. shit. So like basically I was full of anxiety and uh, but like and and I even felt like relief every time we'd come back from, you know, the middle of the loop during the holidays stuff like sardines on the sidewalk full of people and uh you know then you finally come back into the hotel and you get a warm feeling come over you i don't i never forgotten that and i've seen it time and time again every day 
we are here to reduce people's anxiety. Number one priority for uh, working in hotels. And uh, I think uh, Ahmed and I really, really got into that in the interview. Um, and then uh, my clip as well, I think it has a little bit to do with um, kids as well. So we can go ahead and listen to that. Anthony has is the as if by magic. I don't know if you are familiar with that term or not, but is the yeah. as if by magic to where, you know, you have to have a little, you know, you have to have a drawer or something to where you have like random items in there. Um, you go from like having flip-flops to having sunglasses to having mugs, having things that you don't usually have in a hotel. You know, that's what the Asifa magic is for those who don't know what it is. Um, so, you know, we, we have like a bunch of things that you would never expect to find in a hotel. And one of the things that I always make sure that we have is, you know, we always try to have like, you know, like hot wheels. We try to have, you know, coloring books. Okay. So like basically... Like you could tell based on my laugh in that, but like I was really feeling what he was saying in that. And that was also like a clip that like, if you keep listening in the interview, I actually like definitely got a little emotional by what he was saying. And it was probably the first time in, in an interview uh, where I actually felt like that lump in my throat, like, and like kind of like that straight emotion came over me. Um, but Sorry, go ahead, Greg. I was going to say that that was actually probably around four minutes before you started uh, You started the clip that I posted. So I guess that kind of started to ramp you up a little bit and get you into that moment. Triggered. <laughs> um, and, and, like, honestly, like, I have, like, some very fond memories. Like, just reminiscing with Ahmed and, like, talking about what we love was one of the most therapeutic and satisfying things that I've done. And... Ahmed, thank you so much for being on the show. Like, we love you, man. All right. Next guest was uh, was actually very special for us as our first non-hotel-related guest. Um, Dr. Shira Tour is a, what is it, board-certified? Board-certified. Took us a while to get that one, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah, so uh, I discovered her watching TikToks with my son, um, where she would do these fun videos with her uh, some of them with patients and some of them with their staff. Uh, so we asked her to come on, um, and she was uh, she was a lot of fun. And I want to go ahead and start off with my clip um, where she kind of talks about making people more comfortable because um, it really it, it's kind of in the beginning of of her interview, but it really starts to show where you know hospitality really can be anybody's business. We really get to be part of their family. Again, they're going to be with us for about two years. So we want to get to know them and their personalities. Um, and there's one patient specifically that I could think of that she was just like, even when we wanted to take photos of her, she was so shy and it was hard to take those photos. And like when we put them, cause we blow them up, right. We want to see exactly what we're looking at. We blow them up and we put them on a screen so that everyone can see them in the consultation room outside, obviously. Um, Including the patient, right? So she's also viewing these pictures. Yeah. Blown up. Okay. So she's viewing them. Um, and you can see that, like, she, she doesn't want to look at them. Her head's down. And she's not really talking to us um, that much. And so she decided, um, they decided to go into treatment. And as we're progressing, you know, slowly she's starting to come out of her shell. And it, what's interesting is, you know, she started to ask to take photos with us rather than me being like, 
hey, should we take a photo today? She's like, can we take a photo today? You know, and like she's excited and she's actually smiling and she's talking and like telling us about her week and things like that. And her mom would tell us, and this is what we strive for for everybody, is that this would be the best part of her day is to come and see us and to hang out with us. Um, you know, because we turned somebody who was also a little bit dental phobic into somebody who loved their smile. She had a phenomenal result. Um, she was a great patient. Everybody loved seeing her. Um, so I know that treatment meant a lot for her. And so then it, it means a lot for us to be able to do that for those patients. You want to talk about getting rid of anxiety? <laughs> Can you imagine a young child having anxiety about their smile, never wanting to smile? And then turning into that, <laughs> like that's just that's just amazing, and that's just the little touches of getting to know them and making them comfortable, and just, I mean, this kind of goes back into the, what we were just talking about with the meds interview, and you know, taking care of the children, it, like it all just ties in together, and I, I think they, that Doctor Tor and Doctor Weiss they do a fantastic job. I mean, obviously Doctor Weiss is is great. He was able to inspire Doctor Tor. Uh, to be also become an orthodontist and then now they're partners you know it's just <laughs> you know so obviously he had that in him and then she's going on carrying on that legacy as well and just you know they're doing they're doing some amazing work over there and um still see their tiktoks and their instagram videos and and posts all the time and, and these kids are just so happy you know they're they're literally bringing smiles to kids faces and it's just an amazing thing and if you think about the ripple effect that, that has on the world and, and uh, the human race, that you know, kids should be completely uninhibited, especially as children, because like before it's too late and you become a, a grumpy adult or whatever. Like children should be uninhibited; they should be completely unapologetic and shameless in how they behave. And and you know, for a kid who has anxiety about their smile, about bringing their shining their light to the world, that's so sad to think that a kid would feel that way. And then what she does with her team is go in and, and not that she, you know, relights, you know, that child's light, but she makes it and she takes the shades off so that everyone can see that light that's inside of that child. And it's just so beautiful. And, uh, you know, it's no wonder that uh, Dr. Tor has been so passionate about doing that. I think my clip talks a little bit about how, uh, you know, Dr. Weiss has impacted her. And I think it's uh, significant and transcendental to just their situation. So let's go ahead and listen to that. I mean, I really do attribute him to changing my life. Um, If you were to ask my friends from when I was younger, I did hide my smile a lot, you know, like when I would laugh, um, my hand would be in front of my teeth. And I just, I for sure wasn't confident. I mean, I was like many other 10, 11, 12 year old, especially girls. Right. Um, and so what he was able to do for me was really magical and it really did change me. And, um, I was always so appreciative of it. And so, I mean, it, it was just something that I knew I had to do. And um, I think that's why we why we stayed in touch. Like I was definitely a different person after my experience. Wow. Oh, sorry. Don't mind me. I'm just you know just smiling through it. Um, that was a great clip. I love that because you know for a couple of reasons. One of which is that it shows the power of 
positive energy and, and the effect that it has on people like Dr. Weiss. I can only imagine the beautiful like chemistry that developed as, you know, uh, Dr. Tor then otherwise known at that time as Shira, uh, you know, as she was inquisitive about the processes of orthodontics and how her confidence was, was growing and, and his patience with her. And then, you know, just his willingness to stay connected and support her through her entire middle school, high school, college to, you know, applying and being eventually accepted into orthodontics programs. Like it's just a beautiful story. Like I think, you know, any every person on this world on this earth should be lucky enough to have a friend uh, like you know Doctor Tor and Doctor Weiss have each other. It's it's a beautiful thing. I love it. Yeah, I think what's what's amazing for me when I, I really think about it, I feel like she didn't really follow in his footsteps necessarily for love of orthodontics. Like I think she she does love it, but I feel like she went this way because she wanted to make people happy in the way that he made her happy. Like, and that's, and this was just the way that she did it. And it's just, you know, it's very heartwarming. It's honestly very feel good, very heart string puller. So yeah. Thank you, Dr. Tor, for being on the show with us. We had a great time. Keep doing good out there. All right. And last, but definitely not least was our last interview of the year. Um, This man runs the, double tree in Reading, pennsylvania um he is it's the top double tree in the entire brand um when i started working at the wit and we would see the rankings he would they would always be number one and i would always think what the hell are they doing over there that that makes yeah. them number one like why are they the best and why can't we get there because we were all we don't we do we do pretty well at the wit um especially the year that we were we were in the running for the connie award uh which i think he beat us in that year as well um, he, he absolutely did. And that's like, I think when I really first started to be like, okay, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? Because like, he, he was, it's always something that I was like, Reading PA, and I literally had never even heard of Reading, Pennsylvania. Like, I didn't know that it was the second poorest city with the second highest crime rate. I just thought it was like, essentially like rural Pennsylvania. I was like, what are they, you know, I was just looking at it from an outsider's perspective. But after our interview with him, I think it's, absolutely all my wonders have vanished and it means absolutely you know uh makes all the sense in the world as to why they're number one and they'll probably stay number one for that reason yeah so if if you don't know who we're talking about we're talking about the general manager of the double tree writing pennsylvania mr craig pool uh i will just go ahead and uh play my clip real quick it's uh it's more towards the end of the episode but this episode had so much knowledge and wisdom and really if you have any, if you are really wondering why they're as good as they are at the end of listening to this episode, you need to listen to it again because he really kind of tells you everything that you need to know about why they're the best of the best. So here's his, here's his uh, clip. But I liked him, and he had the personality that I liked, and he had the he had the forward motion that I'm looking for, and he's going to do great. I can't wait to find out where he's going to be, and sometimes. And hiring. Sometimes I beat somebody that wants a job here and I don't have one, but I want them so bad I hire them. And most of the time when that happens, they become great, the greatest employees because uh, I don't let great get by me. 
why would I, uh, it's, you know, you got to have somebody on a bench. You can't have people on a bench if you work at a big corporation. <laughs> Sad for them. They burn out. Everybody leaves them. I don't get it. Uh, and I've been that guy at a big corporation, but I, I didn't, I wasn't there when it got ruthless with, uh, when accountants became presidents and controllers became vice presidents. I was there when people who were at the point of impact got to understand the point of impact. And this uh, center of influence, whatever you call it. But. So I, I like that clip for a couple of reasons, mainly because it, it, it talks a little bit about what actually you and I have been talking about with the old way of doing things. And just, it doesn't work anymore. Like, Why are you gonna limit your management team on building the best people out there by saying, well, we can only have three full-time employees. That's all you have. You have who you have. That's it. But you have this probably the most amazing employee, you know, your Charles Dozier's, your Christine Trippies out there, you know, that are 18 to whatever age and they're ready to go and they want to make an impact and you don't get them because of these limits. And then they go off to somewhere else and now they have them. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate that that's how the uh, the corporate world works these days, and just tiring your people out just blows my mind. I went through it for so many years, and I mean, I did it because I, you know, I'm I'm still a little bit more older school, and I'm like, oh, that's just the way it was, so I just did it. But you know, now that I've experienced the other side of it, it just it just doesn't make sense. There's so <laughs> many better ways, so many better ways to do things, and I'm just it just it blows my mind, and. Um, I, I hope the industry as a whole really starts to change um, within the next few years. I really, really hope we maybe we can start a little revolution here or something. Yeah, that's no cap. Hospitality MD is starting this revolution with the help of all the people that we're interviewing because, like, and again, like we have somebody who's been in the industry for fifty years. He should be in theory the most stuck in his ways, old school son of a bitch who ever worked in a hotel, but he's not because he's listened to his people. He's been in situations where he's felt like he was the oddball out and he stayed true to himself and fought through it. And now he owns and runs his own hotel, basically, obviously with the help of others, but now he finally gets to do things his way. And, uh, Craig Poole is honestly, uh, you know, after interviewing him, like great role model. And um, every single person should listen to his entire interview and then listen to it 10 more times because everything he says is true. If you're wondering why you're achieving good to mediocre scores or not doing good or, you know, whatever the case might be, listen and learn from him. He has 50 years of what not to do and has finally figured out the keys to how to do it successfully. Um, Craig, like we were just so honored to interview you. Thank you so much. I, I do uh, also want to get to my clip as well. Um, uh, I think another kind of uh, clip that hits on a little bit of the same sentiment. So I was the vice president of a large holiday Inc. when I was incorporated. And we ran a third of the country. We were the mega regions back then. And we sat at a table with, a, uh, I don't know, maybe a dozen people. And the president was there and all these other people. And we went out to dinner the night, that night. 
to a place in Washington, D.C. That's where our offices were. And we spent $2,000 for dinner. Everybody got presents in their rooms. They flew in and everything was first class. The next day, we're sitting at a table talking about races. This would have been 1984 or five. And these are good people. And we used to give races of 5, 10, 20%. 20% was not uncommon to get a race back in the 70s and early 80s. We're giving 3% or 2% races to people that lived in LaGuardia, New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., you know, $90 uh, a year. And I said, how can we sell, how can we do this to people? I said, we fly around in private jets, we go wherever we want to eat, we spent all this money last night. What If we added up all we're giving a races day, it's not what we spent last night for dinner and uh, for a whole hotel. And I thought I was on a great roll and I, I got uh, put down and I thought, okay, uh, I don't belong doing this anymore. I, I don't belong in an arena where people are thinking about them and not the people that work there. And what happened, and I was right, because what happened was all of a sudden you saw less people working more. They're working harder, driving people harder. They're burning the, the housekeepers out. They're, we went from from 14 rooms to 16 to 18. So pretty soon, if you could get a housekeeper and, and have her work 30 rooms and pay her, you were, you're going to get promoted. And I thought, are you crazy? You're going to have workman's comp. You're going to have burned out people. They're not going to be happy. Nobody's happy when they're burned out. General managers, you know what they do when they burn out? They go home. But they don't mind burning out a housekeeper or a cook or a dishwasher. So what I was doing was equalizing that. Um, I left. Real quick before you comment on there, I want to say the 3% raise structure that's been around for some time, stupid. All right, I think it's so stupid when you're giving people, like he said, $90 raises for the year or however much it is now based on wages. Like I, I think that's just ridiculous. It, it doesn't encourage anybody to stick around for a long time. Like I, I'm doing reviews and I just give somebody a 3% raise you know, because it's the max you can give out. And I'm like, this increase is, is 30, 40 cents on the hour. Like, who's going to stick around for that? But anyway, please go ahead and uh, comment. No, like, very, very true statement there. Like, especially when, like, the the structure of, like, issuing the raises is, like, review-based. And it's, like, your motivation to perform well is that so by the end of the year, your review will will get you a 3% raise like as if that's like anything to give a fuck about no right. no so uh, anyway and and back to the the actual sentiment in the clip like i love craig's willingness to stick to his guns and to know that he didn't belong in that universe i mean you would think, okay, 1984, he was the VP of a large hotel management company running one-third of the entire country of hotels, like balling out private jets, presence in rooms, dropping bands on dinner. Like he was doing so much, and that was 35 years ago. Now, what is he doing? He's doing what he actually wants to do, 
which is running a small hotel in a city that he cares about, taking care of employees he cares about and with guests that he cares about. He's being authentic to himself. He tried to, you know, communicate his thoughts and feelings and and try to get the other people around him who had the power to make those decisions to understand his point of view. And he got put down and laughed at. And now he finally gets the opportunity to do what he loves to do on a daily basis. I think it's absolutely beautiful that that he was able to to finally, you know, remove himself from that arena as he calls it and and finally focused on genuine hospitality. And now he makes more money than any of those people. He's more successful. And all because he stayed true to himself and stayed authentic the entire time. Uh, so I think, you know, for those of you who are questioning yourself or feel like, you know, there's no place for you in the corporate hotel world, keep fighting because the revolution is coming. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's uh, that was all of our interviews for this year. Um, it was a great year. Uh, I'm really happy that we're back. Uh, I'm happy that we're doing this, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to 2020. Uh, I think we are going to have a lot of uh, a lot of great conversations. Uh, hopefully, a lot more content. Um, now that we've kind of got this weekly interview wheelhouse going, we want to start adding some more stuff out there for you guys. Um, so I, I don't know. Is there anything that you're really excited for this coming year? I just want to say, first of all, like I'm very proud of us in 2019 for climbing out of the abyss of excuses and uh, of, you know, I guess self-loathing that, was causing us to stop doing something that we actually really enjoyed doing. Like when we started hospitality MD back in uh, uh spring of 2018 and the idea first came out and we started, we hit these interviews off the ground. Like we loved it. Like, I don't know about you, Greg, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was something that I looked forward to doing and, and through excuses and misaligned priorities and, and just not really, maybe we weren't ready for it at the time, but I just want to say, I'm so proud of us for, for being able to, to make it work consistently and, and to, to be able to provide the, the world with, with the sentiment that we've been able to share. Um, in 2020, we're not slowing down. We're only going up from here. No, honestly, just, I think we have, it, a, we have a lot of credit to give to, to, to squadcast, uh, I think with this, with this yeah. tool, with this tool, it's just it's it's really allowed us. I, I think one of our biggest problems was we were too focused on we need to have video interviews, and we were only worried about YouTube. I think adding this to to a podcast has really changed everything. Obviously, we still put everything out on YouTube, but we're not we're not too overly worried about the production uh, as long as everything sounds good and and you know looks all right. Um, we can interview anybody anywhere. Um, we, you know, obviously all these interviews that we've done with other people were from around the country. I, I don't think any of these people that we met with this year were, were anywhere close to local. <laughs> Everybody was from, from across the country. And uh, we even have some coming up from across the world, uh, for 2020. So that's super exciting. Um, and I think just our, we actually were just, we became self-aware and authentic and like we want to do it when we get our voice out there and we just use the tools that are available. Like 
like Squadcast. I'll probably keep it in for this video. Usually I cut it out, you know, just to focus on the people, but I'll probably leave that part in there for uh for this coming video because they've it's this program's been a huge help for us and in really getting our message out there and being able to do what we do. So um Greg, what are your goals for twenty twenty? Just just straight up, what what are you thinking about? I'm just thinking about getting more or getting our message out there to more people. I mean, we have over nine hundred plays so far um year to date which is i think is great for such a niche market and um doing this for three months so i'm really going to be focusing on getting our message out there to more people um and hopefully having some uh some great interviews i just want to provide some great content for people and bring value to everybody i completely agree like going into 2020 i am i think more focused than ever on making hospitality md work and making hospitality md uh a a consistent priority because you know what you know obviously we both have hotel jobs which we care for and we're very invested in that as well uh however we are not our jobs what we're doing here is us what we're doing here is what we truly believe in and um you know i don't want to stop I don't want to slow down. I'm just so excited to share more of our thoughts and feelings with the world. I'm looking to be more honest, more vulnerable, um, and just be happy in 2020. Like that's it. That's it. That's it. I just want to be happy and I want to keep doing hospitality MD. That's all. I want everybody else to be happy. I want people to hopefully, you know, maybe they can realize that they can be happy too. This is, this honestly isn't difficult for us. I, I don't feel like this is work. Um, you know, there's days where we, we've scheduled, you know, two, three interviews in one day. And I don't feel like it was ever a time where we are like, man, this is just too much. We need to take a break. It was more of like, all right, let's keep going or we're next. They'll just take a quick break and we'll come right back. You know, it's, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and it, it makes me happy to receive messages on LinkedIn and just from, you know, walk, I had a, I had a vendor for the hotel come in and wanted to meet with me. And I have nothing to do with what he sells, but because he saw this show, you know, he wanted to come by, say hi, and and uh, just say that we're doing a great job. It's just, you know, it, it's great that we're making such an impact on people, and hopefully, we just can continue doing that to 2020. And honestly, I think the the beautiful part is like if our audience didn't grow, or you know, one person listened to our podcast. That means that we did our job. Well, not if that one person's my mom. I mean, that doesn't. Okay, well, so. you're not. She probably doesn't even know how to log in and listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if we, if we, if if somebody out there who is struggling with again, like the the corporate hotel world, or feeling like they're a cashier at Walmart and everybody around them is bringing them down because they don't want to give good service, but they're here to make people happy, or you are, you know, at Taco Bell and every, you know, you're at the drive-thru and everybody doesn't care about the order being right or whatever. And you're trying to do a good job. This podcast is for you, for anybody who cares about being a good human on this planet, being empathetic, being warm and being authentic. This podcast is for you. Uh, please like anything you want to hear us talk about going into the new year, let us know. We are just grateful that you know, even somebody listened to our, to our content. So thank you guys so much. 
Yeah. Uh, hope everybody has a prosperous and happy new year. And we'll see you guys next year. See you in 2020.